Mr. and Mrs. Mumford. Would you like to come to the front? So a few weeks ago, we welcomed some new people into partnership. We welcomed Mark and Nesta, but unfortunately, they weren't physically with us. So um, we're going to do that properly right now. So I'd like some members of the leadership team and anybody else that would just like to come up and pray for Mark and Nesta. Um, don't take too long over it because we haven't got all day. Thank you, Sue. Okay. Yeah, come on, Joel. Come and join. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Right, we'll pray for you for a little bit. Sue, why don't you start us off? Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in our midst. We thank you that each person here is a vital part of what you're doing now and what you plan to do in the future. And we just thank you for bringing Mark and Nesta here. And we just speak life over you. We speak fruitfulness. And we just declare that the best is yet to come. Amen. Amen. Okay, great. Thank you. Good welcoming people. Well done. Yeah. All right. And as a special bonus treat, uh, we get to listen to Mark speaking this morning. So, welcome. Well, thank you very much. Uh, that was a little bit unexpected because we were received about three or four weeks ago. Uh, we didn't know if we should send a cardboard cutout of ourselves along so that you could remember who we were. Uh, but that's an actual little blessing today, and thank you very much for that. It actually was a little bit strange arriving in the time that we did, um, because everybody was wearing masks, and we were still meeting people, and we were meeting in different places. And I'd come back from a meeting, and Nesta would say, have you talked to people? I said, oh yes, quite a few. And she said, who? I said, I have no idea. <laughs> I basically only saw their eyes. And so it's been a little while as I've got to know the rest of your faces, you know, as we've been here for that. Um, but uh, thank you for that. I really appreciate that. This is now our home. We've uh, relocated. I don't know if this last couple of years, two and a half years for us, has been really, really turbulent, kind of unsettled, uh, unpredictable, and all the rest of it. Um, and, uh, but uh, for, for us, we've obviously come through COVID like all of us, but also we decided in the middle of COVID to relocate after 40 years in one place, which was a long time. Uh, and so this has kind of like been a, a, an interesting time for us. In the midst of that, I've also tried to do something which is called retirement. <laughs> now, if anybody could actually help me with understanding what that word means, I would be very grateful. So anyway, nice to be here, have the opportunity this morning, and I brought along a little grandson as well, just to... Uh, <laughs> a little, little grandson. I don't know what happened to them all. They just... Uh, Nestor is now the smallest in the family. <laughs> by several feet, if you like, or meters, or whatever it is. Um, I just felt my title for today is, He Makes All Things New, and then subtitle is, Finding Hope in Uncertain Times. We are living in uncertain times. We don't quite know what's going to happen next, do we? We just start to come out of one thing, something else happens, and so we are living in these times which are completely kind of uncertain. In fact, I keep saying to people, I said, we haven't found normal yet. <laughs> we keep kind of like, kind of ways, we haven't got to normal yet. Um, interestingly, I did feel the Lord speak to me about that and just say, I think you're looking for the wrong thing. <laughs> so I felt the Lord say, actually, here's what to look for. Look for faithfulness and fruitfulness. Okay? Look to be faithful 
to God, faithful to his promises, stay faithful to him, and look to be fruitful in the way you live. So maybe looking for normal is never quite going to happen because there's always something else that's going to be unpredictable in the future. But I believe a key word for us today is the word hope. I think we live in a world that's got a lack of hope, a lot of hopelessness, and uh, we are the people of God. And if ever we should be carrying something into that world, I believe it's a message of hope. Hello? Amen. It's... um, And of course, we, I think we most of us understand this, that what we mean by hope is slightly different from what the world means by hope. (laughs) The world talks about hope as kind of like, you know, I hope that England gets through the first stages, you know. Um, Or even more hope is, I hope Wales get through the first stages, you know. But it's like, uh, you know, it is like it's a wish. And actually, what, what the commentators say is the strength of worldly hope is in the strength of a person's desires. So it's like a lot of hope if you've got a lot of desires. Now, Christian hope, biblical hope, is not that. It's not based on wishing. It's based on something much stronger than that. It's what the commentators say. It's actually not based on our desires whatsoever. It's based on his faithfulness. It's what he says, what he's like, and who we can trust in him. And therefore, our hope is, like the Bible tells us, it's an anchor (laughs) in our lives, but in an uncertain world, hoping there. So I want to say today a little bit about why we should have hope. And it's knowing who God is, knowing what he's like. It's really important that we do this. We kind of get this idea that God, what he's like, and what he is like is he loves to make all things new. Hallelujah. That's what he's like, okay? That's what he does. He makes all things new. And the story of the Bible is that right at the beginning, he makes things new. And then as the people of God, we go through the Bible, he continues to make things new, restoring, redeeming, turning around things around. But actually, he then comes to a place where there's a new covenant, a new wine, and new wineskins. And so we can live in the new all the time. And then we get to the very end of the Bible, and that's what we're going to look at now. We get right to the very end. Guess what he does at the very end? He makes all things new. See? So let's have a look at this. This is just a few verses from Revelation. And um, we're going to come up higher, if that's all right, Chris, and look from his perspective and uh, have a little bit more. I love that. I love the story. Okay, so I'm going to look at uh, this, these verses from Revelation 21, 1 to 5. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. <laughs> Isn't that great? For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making (laughs) everything new. Come on. I am making everything new. 
And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. God makes all things new. And that's very important for us today. And it's one of the reasons that we have hope, that we carry hope as, uh, as hope carries, if you like, into, into this world. Now, just want to make the quick little point here. And that is, it says, he makes all things new, not all new things, right? And that's actually quite important for us. You see, he's not saying, right, that didn't work, get rid of that. I'm now going to bring another one in that I prepared earlier, you know. Yeah? He's not saying that. He's not saying I'm going to do, do away with that and I'm going to do something else that's completely different over here. He's actually saying, I'm making things new. In other words, he is renewing what is already there. That's really important for us because he's not looking at you and going, hmm, Neil Sprague, mm, that didn't work. <laughs> I'll get another one now. I'll do something different. I think he did look at Neil Sprague when he made him and said, I'll never do that again. But I think that's a different... <laughs> no, I was just talking about the uniqueness. I'll never do that again. <laughs> See? <laughs> Everyone is different. Um, but as that, he's actually saying, no, actually, I'm not saying I'm going to get rid of you. And he said, I'm going to make you new. Hallelujah. Okay, so he makes, he's not saying I'm going to, this church, oh, that didn't work. I'm going to do another one over here. He's basically saying, I'm going to new, renew what is. Make these things new. That's really important. And it is really so important that we understand this is what he is like. He loves to redeem, to restore, to renew. That's what he does, that's what he's like. And our confidence today isn't in our abilities to do things or to fix things or to sort things out. Our confidence is in him. It's like the little boy who, uh, you know, his dad had told him, um, I'm going to buy you a bicycle, but the bike doesn't appear. And his friends start mocking him and they can't go in like, look, you know, yeah, you're never going to get a bike. You're never going to get a bike. And the little boy goes, no, you don't know my dad. I know him. And if he said I'm going to get a bike, I'm going to get a bike. Because he's a dad who keeps his promises. That is just like us, folks. That we're saying his confidence wasn't in the bike. His confidence was in who his dad was. He's absolutely sure of this. And so that's where our hope lies today, is that we know this is what he is like. So just two or three ways this morning, briefly, of looking at this, look through different angles, because this is what he does. First thing he does, God does, is he turns things around. Praise God. It means we are, none of us are actually stuck in the old, because God can bring the new because that's what he does he turns things around in the bible we, we story after story in the old testament there's a story where it says what was meant for evil <laughs> god turned for good he can turn things around it was going in that direction and god steps in and turns it another way there's another place in the bible as a, a place and it's called the valley of achor now, I was, I'm interested in names of places because sometimes you live under 
the, the name of, of, of somewhere. You go, okay, we live, live. You could live in somewhere called Wire Piddle, for instance. <laughs> oh, so that look good on your address. You know, where do you live? I live in Wire Piddle. Hmm. So, anyway, it's, but in fact, I went to a church in, um, in uh, Croatia a little while back um, to a church in a place called Split. I'm going, this is really good, isn't it? A church called Community Church Split. Great start for it, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, this place in the Bible was called the Valley of Achor. Do you know what Achor means? Trouble. It means like trouble. Fancy having that on your address, you know? So I live in trouble, and that's kind of like, it's, it's, it's the only reason it's kind of named that is because it was a place of trouble. But you see, what God does is he speaks through his prophets and he says, here's what I'm doing. As I move into this situation, I am turning the Valley of Achor into, do you know what? A door of hope. That's what the prophets do. I turn things around. I turn things from there to there. And so none of us need to be trapped in the past or even of where we are right now because God is a God who turns things around. If we don't believe that, we won't have much hope. And I believe we should have hope. There's a, I remember a story that this guy, the, the most incredible uh, evangelist, Reinhard Bonnke in Africa, uh, many years ago, he, before he died, actually, he died a while back, but he, he told a story of the beginnings of his ministry in Africa. And I don't know if you know this or not, but his ministry was just taking off. And uh, he's preparing for this huge crusade that was going to take place in, in South Africa. And he, they, uh, and his organization built the largest tent ever been built in human history. In fact, it was the largest movable structure ever built. It would seat 30,000 people. Okay? This is true. And uh, so they were just, just preparing for their crusade. And do you know what happened? A storm came through and wrecked the whole thing, destroyed it. And I, I don't know about you, but if you'd been one of those people who'd given to that course, <laughs> worse, if you were a trustee, you'd be going like, my goodness, this is the whole thing that we've done. It's all been prepared, and it's just been trashed. Oh, my goodness. Do you know what happened was? They had to move into a stadium instead. And instead of 30,000 people being in a 100,000 people came every night for that crusade. And from that moment on, Reinhardt said, it's stadiums from now on. What was meant for evil, God turned for good. And you see, that's what a redemptive God is. That's what he does. That's what he is like. And um, I love it. There's, my favorite song out of lockdown is a song from Elevation Worship. It's called... Graves to Gardens. I don't know if any of you ever, you know. If you do like high energy, okay, you know, <laughs> I'm still young at heart. You know, um, high energy, sort of really kind of praise. This, this, this song, I mean, I turn it up so loud that Nesta's going, oh, you've got that song again. <laughs> it's vibrating through the house. And I've got tears running down my eyes because it's a declaration of what God is like. He turns graves into gardens. He turns bones into armies. He turns mourning into dancing. He does, that is what he's like. And I'm going, yes. <laughs> anyway, you might want to watch it on YouTube. You'll get more of an idea of it. 
Um, and I believe that none of us need to be trapped in our present or past situations because God turns things around. I don't know how many of you believe that because I think there's people here today who need a circumstance turned around. Let's do that right now, I believe. Let's just pray right now because, <laughs> because I believe God wants to do something today. He wants to turn some things around. And all we have to do is come to him and say, God, would you come into this situation? And he'll turn it around. It could be health. It could be employment. It could be relationships. It could be family. It could be any one of a number of things. But there's no reason to say we're stuck here because God is a God who turns things around. Just uh, Let me just pray. Put your hand up if you've got a situation that you need something turned around in. Okay, and you need something, you need this turned around. Lord God, we bring these people, these situations to you today. And Lord, we say, like that child, we have total trust in you, Lord. And we ask you today, Lord, would you be the God who redeems, who turns these situations around? Lord, we say the old order is gone. <laughs> The new has come. Lord, would you make new these situations that are being represented here today? Lord, you know everyone. And we say, Lord, would you come into them and would you break through into these situations to bring life and newness in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. I think that's really kind of key thing. Okay, let's just notch it up a little bit. Because not only does he turn things around, he makes things better. Now, you need to come with me a little bit on this one because I think we have a little bit of kind of like mm, Western thinking, a lot of us anyway, where we go like, if you have something and it kind of gets broken, it's never quite as good when it's put back together. It's never quite as good as it was before. I think actually God has got something in his amazing, amazing ability where he works all things together for good where in this incredible way he does this, he can make things not just back to where they were, but he can make things better. Uh, my mum is still going strong and uh, has, um, she's 99, but she's got lots to say about everything. And uh, she's, uh, she, she's going for God still, never misses church, you know, she's really amazing. But she'll say, Mark, there's a load of rubbish on t TV these days. But there is one program that is absolutely like, she said, it's the most edifying program on TV. She said, I never miss it or the reruns or anything like that. I wonder if you know what it is. It's called The Repair Shop. <laughs> and she said, like, she never miss it. So it's like, if you haven't seen The Repair Shop at all, you need to watch some episodes of The Repair Shop. Because basically, it's bringing in old and broken things. These incredible people who are so talented and gifted restore, and then they bring them back. And then the people come and they see it, and everybody cries. Because it's all just so meaningful and wonderful. Because, you know... And what I'm realizing is that when they restore, they don't just restore, they lovingly restore. Now, you just get that because I believe this is what God is like. And uh, he doesn't just put us back together and go, that'll do. 
He lovingly restores. He loves to restore us, to restore his people and his community. So I've got um, a little example. Let me introduce you to somebody else. This is called Bessie. This is Bessie. Now, uh, we know Bessie personally because actually this Bessie belongs to my brother-in-law. So my brother-in-law is like a steam, he's an engineer and he's like, you know, he, so um, and, and what happened was, um, in fact, uh, Bessie was made in 1901, the steam roller, classic one. Um, but about 1950 was abandoned and left. Could you just show us the next one? Because um, that actually is what Bessie became looked like. Now, so if you felt slightly decrepit or whatever at the moment, or any of you feel slightly like this, Bessie probably looks a bit worse even than you at the moment, you know? Uh, but he and his, his friend started to work on it and they restored it. Now, what he told me was this. So put it back, next one up, just so it can bring it back. That's what it looks like today. It goes to steam rallies near here as well, obviously. And he said to me, he said, you know, interesting, Mark, he says, sometimes these steam engines work better after they've been restored than they did before. <laughs> oh. And I said, tell me, tell me more. And he said, well, when they're made, they're kind of like originally made, they're just kind of funky, they're put together in a factory, bolt, you know, rivet. He says, but when we restore it, we lovingly restore it. It's like, oh, rivet, oh, bolt, oh, lovely, lovely nut and bolt, you know. <laughs> Carefully and wonderfully done. And he says sometimes these engines work better after they've been restored. There's something prophetic for us, folks. In our minds, we can go, I got broken, I got damaged, something happened to me, I'll never be the same again. God wants to say, you could even be better than you were before. There are some amazing, incredible examples of that in the Bible. And I think Peter is one of them, the Apostle Peter. He kind of like, he messes up again and again. And one time so badly that we today would say, he crashed. He denied Jesus himself publicly, you know. And yet, when Jesus restored him, wonderful story, you can do it another time, but you know, three times Peter denied him. Jesus is restoring him on the beach later. Three times talks with him, asking questions. No, nothing lost there on Peter. He knows what's going on. And what you end up with on the day of Pentecost, do you get this? A better Peter than if he'd not been through that process. Now, we kind of want to cover up. We want to go like, oh, anything I've done wrong, just, let's just brush it under the carpet. There's something in God. Now, one more picture. This is, this is something called kintsugi. And I don't know if that word means anything to you, um, but our eldest daughter lives in Japan, and we've kind of come to understand this. And it absolutely is just this. It's just this. That if, if that was a bit of crockery and I was mending it, I would do everything I could to hide the cracks. And it would be like, oh, it's not quite the same. In Japanese thinking, which is, I think, close on this occasion to God's thinking, is that he's saying, like, not only are we going to acknowledge that there's things have been broken, we're almost going to celebrate it because it's stuck back together with gold. Oh, it's true. Hallelujah. And actually, the truth is this. 
is that those broken and put back together pieces of pottery and so on are more valuable than if they'd not been broken. And there's part of thinking that goes on in the Japanese mind that says something that's never been broken has never been used. It's got no life. It's got no experience. It's got nothing to say. Look at this. This has been through things and it's been put back together. It's got a story to tell, a story of redemption, a story of restoration. And actually God's saying, do you know what? That even becomes more valuable. Now, you don't have to go and mess up just to prove this theory, you know, but it just is, is a story that, that I think so there's a lot more to say about, about that. But I'm just going to give one more thing now. The third thing to say, as I hopefully just draw it to a close now, is that he gives us new beginnings. So it's not just like he kind of turns us around and it makes things better, but actually he says, come on in, a whole new beginning. This is part of the gospel. The old has gone, okay, washed away, dealt with, okay. The new has come, and now you've got a new beginning. And I praise God that we don't, all of us, just have to go, well, that happened for me many years ago. You see, God makes things new. How often? Well, let's just say every day, shall we, for a starter, New every morning are his mercies. So there's something fresh for us. Every day can be a new beginning. All we need, I believe, is an encounter with God. And he gives us a new beginning. That's what we had when we became Christians. For those of us who, who've got a, a story of becoming a Christian, it was like we, we had an encounter with Jesus and we had a whole new beginning. We were born again <laughs> but life from then on is that God wants to keep doing things new he wants us to be living in the new again and again and uh, all we need for that is an encounter with him that is still happening people today are encountering Jesus and getting a new beginning I don't know if any of you want a new beginning apparently one of the I don't know the statistic but I know that Whenever people in the street are asked the question, if you had a chance to begin all over again, would you take it? Like 90% of them say, yes, please. Because everybody wants a new beginning. Uh, here's a brief little kind of testimony of somebody. <laughs> uh, an autobiography's come out just in the last couple of weeks or so by someone called Matthew Perry. Who ever watched Friends? So Chandler, if that means anything to you, okay? So Matthew Perry played Chandler. And his, his, his autobiography is like a lot of stories of absolute dreadful battles with addictions and all kinds of issues that this guy's had in his life. But in this autobiography, he talks about a divine encounter with God, like a dramatic encounter with God. And he tries to describe it. Let me just read you a little bit. This is his, his story. And I don't know what else has happened since, but this is just tells you something. He said, I had been in the presence of God. I was certain of it. Eventually, the weeping subsided, but everything was different now. 
I've stayed sober for two years now based solely on that moment that God had showed me a sliver of what life could be. He saved me that day for all days, no matter what. He had turned me into a seeker, not only of sobriety and truth, but of him. Amazing, isn't it? He says, I felt okay. I felt safe, taken care of. Decades of struggling with God and wrestling with life and with sadness. All was being washed away like a river of pain gone into its oblivion. 